Hey, we want to welcome you to New Life Baptist Online. I want to thank you for joining us for worship as we walk together through the Word of God and the Gospel of Mark. Our greatest desire is for you to find and follow Jesus. And if there's a next step that you need to take, please reach out and contact us and let us know how we can help you learn to love the Great Commandment, live out the Great Commission, and leave one more person for Jesus. We can't wait to worship with you now. We can't wait to see you online and on campus soon. Just nest, light and light to 
of peace. Hail the Son of righteousness. Born to save the sons of men. Born to give them second birth. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your coming. We thank you, Lord, that that God, we have hope because of Christ. Because of God with us. Emmanuel. And God, we ask, Lord, this morning that as we hear the word, as we hear the word, Lord, that it, that it may fall on good ground, and that, Father, that it would spring up in us and stir us, Lord, to, to righteousness in Christ. May it stir in us your kingdom, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you, Jesus open up our ears and our eyes and our hearts to hear from you today, Lord. Stir in our hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise before we're seated. Well, amen. As we continue to worship today, let me invite you. Let's take the Word of God, open the Word of God, and turn in the Word of God to John chapter 3 this morning. And as you turn into John chapter 3, and Merry Christmas to you today. We are so privileged and honored to have the joy of gathering as his church and thankful to have you in his house today. And so welcome to New Life Baptist as we come as his body gather around his authority and submit to his worship here today. And so as we turn to John chapter 3, um, no doubt today was a day that some of you have heard of, are you delaying some of the gifting until after church. Some of you have been on a pretty tight schedule and done the gifting before church, and so we all kind of have our own way of doing the gifting, and I, I just love the gifting. That, that's my favorite part of the Christmas experience with the family, is you're giving a gift to someone else. I, I'm not big on receiving. 
I don't really, I'm not a gift receiver. I'm, a, I'm a more of a gift giver. I love to bless and I love to give. And, and so as we think about Christmas throughout the years, I've received a lot of good gifts and you've received some duds in there as well, right? Some things like, hey, I'm, I'm need a receipt on that. All right. So if you don't mind, the gift receipt will be great. I'm going to take that back next week, okay? So we have the gifts that we get that we love, the gifts that we don't really care for. And then we have sometimes as a kid, if you remember especially, the gift that you always wish for that you never got. I had a few of those growing up, a gift that I always wanted, that was always number one on my list, but being the fourth kid, it just wasn't ever going to be a possibility for me, right? I got triaged by by the older siblings. They got the good stuff, and I would get the hand-me-downs. And so that was my life growing up, and and there was one gift though in particular that I wanted more than anything. I'm a, I'm a kid of the, the late 20th century, so the early you know, 1980s or late 1980s and, and early 1990s. And I was a kid that grew up on Home Alone. All right, So It's a Wonderful Life is my all-time favorite movie. But Home Alone, Home Alone 2, those were my childhood movies. And in Home Alone 2, there was a gift called the Talk Boy. And I never got that gift. And I, my neighbor, best friend Sam, got that gift. My other friends at school got that gift. I never got that gift until a few years ago. A church member actually found this, I think, on eBay, had it shipped, delivered, and they gave me a talk boy for Christmas in my 30s. And I've never been more excited in my life <laughs> to receive a gift than the talk boy from Home Alone, too. So thank you, John Proctor, for just that blessing. What a good man he is. It was the gift that I always wanted, but it was a gift that I could live without. But I'm going to experience and express and invite you to receive today a gift that you just simply can't afford to refuse, a gift that you can't afford to not receive, a gift that you cannot afford to reject. And it's, of course, the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ. We just have sung about his coming. Last night we had a candlelight service to celebrate his arrival. And this morning I want to see for us the giver of who God is, the recipients that we are called to be in the gift that will change your life if you would simply let it come. So if you will, let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in John 3, looking at a very familiar passage. And here's what I want to challenge you today. Sometimes familiarity can rob us. And I don't want the familiarity of this passage to rob you of the truth that could truly change your life. And it's something you have received, and here's the other challenge. It's something you're called to give away. All right, you're to be a gift giver. And so let's read John 3:16 in faith and ask God to bless it as we read it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people, they love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of God. Let us ask God to use as we submit to his authority over us today. Father, What joy it is to come into the light. Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world, and we celebrate your coming, and we celebrate, Lord, the opportunity that we have to receive 
the greatest gift of all time, from the greatest giver of all time, you. So God, would we receive the gift today? God, I'm praying for one more person in this room, at least one more person to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and to walk out of here different than they walked in. Father, teach us what we don't know. Give us what we don't have. Make us who we are not. Speak, for your servants are listening. In Christ's name we pray. God's church says, amen. Amen. As you find your seat and keep your Bibles open, I'm going to invite you also to get the worship guide that you received on your way in. We're going to plug in some things on the backside as we walk together through the Word of God. And I want you to see um, three major points in this text today. Three major things that should be jumping off the page for us as we look at this gift. We First of all, we'll see this. God's gift, it is personal. All right, God's gift to us, it is 100%, yes, broad, but it is also 100% personal. It says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, yes, he loved the whole entire world, that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him, here's what gets personal, whoever believes in him should not perish, but again, should have everlasting eternal life. Now, it's kind of easy for us to overlook for God. But it's really important we understand what that for is there for because it answers why Jesus was publicly crucified for us. We're going to look at 14 and 15 here in a minute as we scroll back in our text. But we understand awfully this truth is that for God so loved the world. God gave because God loved. And it's not only that God loves us, it's that God so loved us that he demonstrated his love for us by, in this way by giving us his gift. God gave, and God proved his love. And so you can say, hey, I love you, but it's another thing to totally demonstrate, right? I mean, you can tell someone you love them, but until you demonstrate it, until you show it, it's hard to really believe the person's words until there is action, until there is a course and a plan, something to take place. And so I love that God acted, and we see that God so loved that God proved his love. He gave. And here's what I love about his love for us. God's love for us required God, no love from us. All right, God's love for us required, first of all, no love from us. I love this because it says, for God just so loved. God is love, and so God does love. And God doesn't say, I'm going to love you when you get it right. I'm going to love you when you start doing better. I'm going to love you when you finally get your life in order. No, God loved us before we loved him. God loves before we were able to love him. God gave simply because God loved. And he didn't require love back. He didn't say, well, I'll love you if you love me. And I'll give you Jesus if you can prove that you're worthy of this gift. I'm not just going to let my son die for you if you're not worthy of that. that that's, that's not the way God gives. That's the way we give, right? Hey, you deserve a gift, and I'll give you a gift. But if you don't deserve it, I'm not going to give it to you. Right? We tend to base the size and the price and, and the object of our gifting usually dependent upon the person. Right? Do we really love them that much to spend that much money on this person or that person? Or has my child deserved this gift yet? We, we usually tend to me- measure out and weigh out the gifting upon the person that we're giving to. But that's not God. God so loved sinners that he demonstrated his love for us, even while we were yet enemies, right? According to Romans 5, that he willingly gave Jesus to die for our sins. And the good news in this text, even in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, is that God loved us before he saved us. All right, he's inviting us to be saved, but he loved us before. 
He loved us just as I am, right? We have that wonderful song that we've sung time and time again at the invitation. We come just as we are because he loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us in our sin. He loves us too much to leave us in our shame. He loves us too much to leave us in our guilt. And so God doesn't agree to love us if we do something and love him back. God simply demonstrates his love and invites us to be loved by him. And here's what's impressive about God loving the world. It's not because the world's so big, right? It's not like, oh, God so loved the world. That's a big world to love. God loved the world not because it's so big. God's love is impressive because the world's so bad, right? We're sinners. We've sinned. We've rejected. There's not a single one of us righteous. No, not one. We have rebelled against the creator, the, the lover of our souls. We have rejected, resisted. And so I love that God doesn't love us when we are his children. God loves us so we will become his children. That's why God loves. That's how God loves. He doesn't love us because he loves us so that we will. And so God so loved us so we will be saved. And so we have this gift, church, this gift of salvation. It's not merely the dismissal of our rebellion, but it's this great delivery of relationship. Right? He dismisses our rebellion. He dismisses our rejection. He invites us. And what does he deliver? He delivers relationship to you and to me. So that what? So that sinners can become sons. Right? So that the disillusion can become daughters. Right? So that those who are far from him become followers of him today. We understand that sin breaks that relationship, church. If you have sinned against God, and every single one of you have, when you have sinned against God, you have broken relationship. And now there's separation. In your sin, you are separated from God. But God so loved the world that he closed the gap. That he said, I'm going to come to you because you can't come to me. I'm holy. I'm perfect. I'm removed from you. You have separated yourself from me. I've not separated myself from you. You broke the relationship. You broke the covenant. And because you have done this, I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to come back and die for you. And I'm going to come back and invite you to simply come in your repentance of your sin Close that gap and be in right relationship with me, but you have to come to him. God has already made it possible. God has already given the gift. It's simply yours to receive. And so we see that we have reconciled relationship in this gift that is so personal for every single person in this room. But here's the second thing about this gift. God's gift is provisional. Ours provisional. And what do you mean by that? Let's go back to verse 17. It says in the word of God today, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world what, might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. I love verse 17, right? It's one of those like John 3, 16 is the highlight, but 17 is just as good. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Why did Jesus not come to condemn the world? We're already condemned, right? We are already condemned. There, there's no reason for him to come and say, hey, y'all are condemned. That's already, the judgment has been pronounced, right? We are already guilty. If we were to stand trial before God, if we were holy or not holy, every single one of us would lose, death sentence to hell, right? We are already judged. We are already condemned. So Jesus did not come to bring further condemnation because we're already in that state. No, he came to give us life. He came to take our place. And so we see this gift is a provisional gift because what is the gift? It is the gift that he says, I'm coming not to condemn. I'm coming that you might be saved. 
Right? He comes to stand in our place. He comes to be the sacrificial lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. Where you and I couldn't gain it, where you and I couldn't earn it, where you and I couldn't do enough religious things to be right with God, Jesus came in our place. He's our substitute, our substitutionary atonement. He is the one who died and says, hey, John, I'm going to take your place. And John, I'm going to take your sin. And if you simply trust that I can stand in the gap, and if you simply believe that I can be your Savior, if you simply know that I can be the land that has died and my blood shed for your sin, if you would simply believe that, repenting of your sin, receiving this gift, you will be saved by grace through faith. That is how we come. And that's the only condition is that we believe. In verse 18, again, it says, whoever believes is not condemned. All right, whoever believes, you're not condemned. All right, there's no shame, there's no guilt, it's all removed. So if you simply would believe in this greatest gift of all time, there's no condemnation. But the same is true on the other side. Because it goes on in verse 18, but whoever does not believe, they're still condemned. Still condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is an interesting illustration right here in verse 14. Y'all scroll back in your text. We have the writer here making a parallel to the Old Testament. It says in verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And you're like, well, right, what's, what is, what's the deal with snakes? Right, the only thing I know about snakes is Genesis 3, and that's bad. Right? So what's the deal with snakes here? Well, Numbers 21, you read the book of Numbers, God delivers his people from Egypt. And as he delivers his people in the wilderness, they began to complain they began to, to uh, just argue against God. They began to accuse God that, hey, God, you brought us out here to die. Thanks a lot, right? They were unrepentant people. They were people who complained and argued against God. And so God responds to their complaining by doing what? In the wilderness, he sends a bunch of poisonous snakes to bite the people. And these snakes, with their bite, it was a lethal bite. And the people, obviously, when they start seeing people die, they repent in a hurry. Like, okay, God, forgive us, we're coming back. And God commands Moses to craft the image of a snake and then to mount it upon a pole. And here's the command for the people of God in Numbers 21. Those who believe in the substitute and look at that pole will live. Those who do not believe will simply have the lethal venom in their veins. They will refuse to look up and they will die. That was God's deal. Hey, you do it my way, I will save you and deliver you. And so even here, this illustration shows us that the only hope for the Israelites, for the venom flowing through their veins, was believing in what has been lifted up for them. And it's the exact same for us. All right, it's the exact same for us. Only when you look to Christ can you have life. He has been lifted up. All right, the only Son of God, our substitute, has been lifted up in our place he is sitting there on a tree for you and I to see. There's our Savior who took my punishment. There's my Savior who's dying for my sin. There's my Savior dying for my guilt. His blood being shed in my place. And all I have to do to be delivered from the sin running through my veins is to look, believe, and have life. If I repent of my sins, I will be saved. It's provisional, church. He providing everything you need in order to be saved and have eternal life, it is right there in Christ. But here's the last thing, we'll close with this. God's gift, while his love 
for us required no love first from us. God's gift does have a prerequisite. In verse 19, what do you mean by that? Well, it says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does the wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that he may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, there's no prerequisite for God to give. There's no prerequisite for God to love. Right? He, he gives because he loves. He loves because he gives. But there is a prerequisite for the gift to be received, and it's repentance and belief. Church, if you refuse this gift, there's no hope for you. You're already condemned. You're already judged. Let me just give you some good news this morning. If you refuse to repent of your sin, if you refuse to receive Christ, if you sit here rejecting the gift that God has freely given you, there is no hope for you to have any kind of life after this. There's no hope. You are determined and bound and going to hell because you stand condemned in front of the perfect holy judge. On your best day, your, your good deeds are filthy rags. And so the gift, though, the prerequisite is that you have to respond. And you must receive the gift. And so I would just implore with you, and I would just encourage you today, and I would do everything I can. Receive the gift. All right, receive the gift. It is the greatest gift of all time. It will not rust. It will not rot. It will not disappoint. It will not let you down. It, it will not provide. If you receive the gift of Jesus, you will not only have eternal life, you will have abundant life, according to John 10, 10. It is the greatest gift from the greatest giver of all time, and the only response that we are called to have is to receive it. Would you receive it? If you're in this room today and you're like, I don't want to live in my shame anymore. I don't want to live in my guilt anymore. I, I'm, I'm scared that I'm condemned in my sin. Christ is freely and openly inviting you to come. And you just have to receive it today. And then to the church, and here's the second way I want to respond to that for us. Now you're called to be a gift giver, right? Matthew 28 makes that abundantly clear for us that we're called to give the gift away. Who do you need to give the gift away to today? Instead of giving someone, hey, here, here's, a, here's a nice bathrobe and some slippers, right? How can you give them something that will change their life? Let's give the gift of the gospel. Let's give the gift of good news. Because when you receive Jesus, you can be redeemed by Jesus. Only when you receive Jesus can you be redeemed by Jesus. But you have to receive it here today. Let's pray this morning as we turn our hearts to respond to the word of God today. As we think about what God has done for us. It is my deepest desire this morning to see some person in this room come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. For you not to just pass here and say, all right, great news, good news for those who need a Savior, but I'm good, I'm, I, I'm all right. You're not. You need Jesus. You need the gift. There is no hope for you. There's no opportunity for you to stand before the judge one day and plead your case and say, I hope the good outweighs my bad. It's all bad. There's nothing that you can do on your own apart from Christ to do anything about your eternal salvation. It is only done by Jesus. And so again, the invitation, not from me, not from New Life Baptist, the invitation from the Word of God is that whoever will believe. Did you believe today? 
Would you be reconciled to the Father today? Would you be redeemed today? Would you be restored today? Would you have relationship today? We're inviting you to come. And then to the church, one more time, give it away. Give the gift of Christ away today. Father, we come before you, and God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to truly celebrate the greatest gift of Christmas. Lord, of all the things we open today, God, may we open our hearts. May we open our ears. May we open our lives to receive you, Jesus. God, I pray in the name of Jesus today that someone would repent of their sin, would surrender their lives, and would follow you in submission and obedience, making you Lord and Savior of their life. God, I pray right now in the name that is above every name that someone would walk out of here different than they walked in because they've heard good news. That the angels sing, that the shepherds tell, that the wise men seek, that they will know today is the day that Jesus has come. And not only is he born into this world, but he can be born into our hearts. And we can be, as a result, born again. God, would you do the gift of Christmas, the gift of salvation, do the gift of your coming right now. And God, would we as a church marvel that, God, you would so choose to love us. God, we are so undeserving of your grace. God, we are not worthy of your love. And yet, God, you choose. You choose to give. God, would we respond with worship, respond with awe, and we respond by simply giving it away. But we pray these things and ask these things be done in your name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus and God, church says today, amen. We're going to invite you to respond today and we're going to invite you to come. All right, today is the day of salvation. As we stand together, today is the day of salvation. We invite you to come. We have pastors here who would love to tell you what it truly means again to be born again. And today's the day you're like, you know what? I'm ready to be baptized. I've never made it public. I'm a follower of Jesus. I have been saved, but I've never followed through by immersion in water. I'm ready to make it public. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Or maybe today's the day I want to join the ministry of this church. I love what God's doing here. I want to be a part of it. I want to serve it. I want to lead in it. You come. We'll tell you what it means to belong here locally to God's church at New Life Baptist. The altar is open, pastors are here, whatever it is that God is doing in your heart. However, you need to respond to the greatest gift of all time. We're going to sing, we're going to ask you to come. Let's respond right now. And for the unclean, the unholy, and for the broken, for the unworthy. Oh,
church family, can we sing that chorus just one more time? No, come on, ye faithful, bow before our Savior. Come, let us adore the one. 